Welcome to the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, where we listen, learn, and love together. Our speaker today is Pastor Jonathan Pinato. All right, so as we explore the Bible um, about themes about love, the very first time that the word love is used in the, in the Bible in the Old Testament is in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 2, and it's in reference to Abraham and Isaac. And the Bible says, God said, take your son, your only son whom you love. That's the very first time that the word love is used in the Bible. It's in reference to a father's love for his son. The second time that the word love is used in the Bible is a couple chapters later, and it's in relationship to Isaac and Rebekah. And it says, Rebekah became Isaac's wife, and he loved her. Uh, Other references that follow from this say that Isaac loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And and then it says, it also says that Esau, he loved uh, lentils. Oh, it uses the word there, love. And then it also says that Isaac, that Jacob cooked Isaac the meal that he loved. It uses the same word there. So the word in Hebrew for love is ahav. And the, the word there, ahav, in the Hebrew is similar It's similar to the way we use the word love in English. In other words, the Hebrew word for love is a catch-all word, just like it is in English. For example, in English, I can say, I love God, I love my wife, I love my son, I love my family, I love you all, my church family, and I also love donuts. Right? You know, that's right. That's how we use the word love, right? You know, in the same, you know, these, these, this high concept of love for God in the same word we use for love of donuts or love of, you know, whatever, whatever it is that we love. You know, we just love these things. It's a catch-all in the Hebrew. It's a catch word for loving something, for liking something. Last week, we took a brief survey of the Greek words in the New Testament for love. We have the four main ones that are used. Uh, in the New Testament, agape love, which is that divine love, the purest form of love that God is calling us to have. We sang about it just right now, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love agape. Let us love one another. Let us love one another with that pure love. You have that other word, phileo, which, which is the platonic love, the love of brothers or the love of friendship. You have eros in the Greek, which is physical love. And, you know, we, we think about that word eros in a negative sense, but it's not necessarily negative because physical love is not a bad thing. Anybody say amen to that? Physical love is not a bad thing. In fact, in the Bible, physical love is celebrated. It is encouraged. The Apostle Paul says that the marriage bed is holy and sacred and undefiled. In fact, there's an entire book in the Bible that talks about physical love, and that is Song of Solomon. That's right, Song of Solomon. It's a beautiful thing. It's a celebrated thing. God created it in the beginning. And then there's that fourth word that I got stumped on last week, the fourth word of love, which is sturgus love, which is, means fidelity, faithful love, a devotion to be kindly affectionate towards one another. It's used in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. In fact, that passage there, Romans 12, verses 9 through 10, all these four or these three words, agape, phileo, and sturgos, is used in those two verses in the New Testament. So what I want to do now, though, is I want to explore a little bit about the biology of love. Are you guys ready for that? Are you guys ready for the biology of love here? Okay, all right, amen. All right, here we go. So what is love from a biological standpoint? Love is, and this is a key word here, love is an intense, positive emotion. Are you guys ready? Love is an intense, positive emotion. 
Now, in my sermon on wellness, I shared a little bit about the differences between emotion and feelings, and so I just want to recap that a little bit here. Emotions are the foundational function of the limbic system in the brain. That's a picture of the brain there, and you see that little red dot? That little red dot is um, to represent the amygdala, that little organ there that we have there in the brain. It's about the shape of an almond, that, that little that little, that little um, uh, part there of the limbic system that we have in our mind. Uh, emotions are foundational functions of the limbic system in the brain. We have the amygdala, we have the hippocampus, we have the prefrontal cortex in our brain. And what this limbic system does is it sends out signals. And these signals are emotions. They're, they're the basic symbols telling us whether something is good or something is bad. Now, not in a moral sense, but simply in a preference sense. Do I like that or do I not like that? Do I want that or do I not want that? That's what the, 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 the amygdala does in, in the limbic system. Once that initial emotion, that primary foundational emotion is felt, whether it's positive or negative, it then further develops into the categorical forms of feelings that we're familiar with, such as, I feel joy, I feel happy, I feel excitement, I feel anger, I feel sadness. Those are the feelings, right? But the emotions are the foundational bedrock, those, those foundational symbols that take place in the brain. All right, are you guys with me? All right? So what is love? Love is the intense, is an intense foundational positive emotion. Now, there's two aspects to love. There is the aspect of attraction, and then there is the aspect of attachment. Let's, let's, let's explore attraction here a little bit. Attraction is about what we find attractive. Attraction is about the likability factor. And this isn't necessarily romantic. It, it can also be platonic. For example, you meet somebody, right? All right, you meet somebody, and you're like, man, that's a nice guy, right? You meet somebody, man, that's a nice guy. I really like that guy, you know? Oh, you know, right? I mean, you, you have that, right? Or, or you meet, you know, someone of the opposite sex. And again, it's not about romance, but it's just about the likability factor. Oh, I like him, you know? Um, and, and so that, that limbic system sends out that response. You like that person. That's that initial sense of attraction, all right? Uh, now, a good question is, what happens when you meet somebody and you don't like them? Have you ever met somebody you don't like? <laughs> Come on now, Right? What happens when you meet somebody and you don't like them? Man, I've met a few people like that. Nobody here, right? But um, I have met a few people I don't like, and, and I always wondered about that. As a Christian, how do you handle when you meet somebody and you don't like them, right? I mean, come on, let me, let me be honest. You know, I've met some people, and, and I just don't like them, right? And, and, but I try, right? You know, you spend time, and you, you, you try to talk to them, and you try to listen to them, but you just, right, you just, for whatever reason, what they say, you just, I don't know, you, you, just, you just don't like them, right? You don't wish them ill, but, you, you know, there just isn't that, that connection there, right? Okay, anyways, all right, we'll explore that maybe in another, in another sermon, right? But attraction, that first step of love is what we, that likability factor. You know, we find someone, and why do we like them? Well, maybe because, uh, you know, sometimes we don't know why we like people, but, you know, if we spend a little bit more time thinking about it, well, maybe we like them because there's some shared values there. Uh, maybe there's, you know, we find certain qualities that we like about that person. They're honest, you know, and they're like, man, I like that guy. He, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a, what is it, a straight shooter, you know? He just says it like it is. You know, I like that about him. He's honest. Oh, man, that guy's a hard worker. I like that. Um, you know, that guy's industrious. He has skill. You know, I want to learn from him. You know, I, uh, how, how is it that you do this? And, and that, that guy's dependable. Maybe you have shared spiritual journeys that you can relate to. Um, maybe he's into, uh, has, you have shared interests or shared hobbies. They like tennis. Let me try to see. I don't think I, there's, is there any, 
Let me see. If you play tennis, is there any tennis player that I've met that I don't like? Oh, wait a minute. I think they're, <laughs> I think they're right. They're called cheaters. But anyways, right? If, but if you play tennis, I'll be like, hey, let's go out and play some tennis, right? You know, and we can have a great time, right? Shared interest or music. Oh, he likes music. I like music too. That likability factor, that, that attraction, you know? Oh, he's smart. He's with it. You know, he, he knows what's up. Or, or maybe we have similar goals or, or maybe personality. We just get along. Our personalities get along great, style, whatever it is, right? That, that first step of love is attraction, that likability factor factor. And then with certain relationships, remember this can be romantic or platonic, doesn't matter, but with certain relationships, something happens. You know, that, that, that likability factor just, just t- goes up a notch, doesn't it? Right? It, it goes to the next level and something happens and then that attraction elevates to a new level and desire is born. All right? Now, again, now this doesn't necessarily have to be a uh, uh, romantic. It can also be platonic. For example, you know, I have a friend that I like, and or friends with you, that you like, right? You'll call them up, and you'll want to spend time with them, right? Hey, what are you doing? Can we hang out, right? That's kind of that aspect of, you know, I want to hang around you. You know, I like hanging around you. Um, I, I feel good when I hang around you, right? But then in certain relationships, when it does become romantic, then the pursuit starts, and, and this is where we probably see the first notable signs of romance, the first notable signs of courting is what we call it. Now, um, what's interesting is that studies in neuroscience, they indicate that people who fall in love, the brain begins to release a number of hormones, including dopamine and serotonin. Those are the feel-good hormones. In fact, those are the same hormones that if, if you take amphetamines, those are the same hormones that, that, that uh, amphetamines will release in you. And that's why a lot of people are, are, get addicted to drugs, because they make them feel good. It artificially releases these hormones, but I believe that God is calling us to experience these hormones in a healthy and in a wholesome way. But studies indicate that people who fall in love, their brain begins to release dopamine and serotonin, the feel-good hormones. And that's why when you hang around people you like, whether it's platonic or romantic, when you hang around people you like, you feel good, right? And that's why when you hang out with people you don't like, you don't feel so good. Because <laughs> the brain's like, yeah, I'm not going to release those hormones. I don't like this person. You know what it is. Okay, so it starts releasing. When you fall in love, it starts releasing these hormones, dopamine and serotonin. It then stimulates the brain's pleasure center. And in the case of romance, can I get a witness? In the case of romance, is anybody here in love? It can lead to, or has anybody here ever been in love? It can lead to an increased heart rate. Oh, yo, I got a witness there. Amen, right? You see that person walk in the door and, whew, what happens, right? Come on, it happens, right? You know, we try to stay calm and cool, right? You know, but, whew, that heart starts fluttering, right? Yeah. Increased heart rate, loss of appetite. You're not hungry anymore. Uh, You know, all, all you need is love at that point, right? You don't even need food. You just need love, right? Uh, You can't sleep because all you can think about is that person because you're so in love with that person. Intense feelings of excitement, all right? And can I get a witness, right? And it's a biological function. That's what the body is doing. It's releasing these hormones, and it's a good thing. God created us to be like this. Research indicates that this stage generally lasts how long? One to three years. Now, are any light bulbs going off right now at this moment? One to three years. One to three years is about the average that relationships last. 
Oh, could there be a connection between what the body is doing and releasing hormones and, and how long our relationships last? You know, we get in a relationship and then somewhere down the road, we're just not, we're not feeling it anymore, right? And it, but it's not, it's not you, it's, it's me, right? Is that, that what we say? And then we break up with that person and then we find another person and then we're all excited and the hormones start releasing again and, and our heart is fluttering. And then after a few, uh, you know, after some time, we're just not feeling it anymore, and then we go find another person, and the cycle continues. You see what's going on here? It's almost, I want to say, it's almost like an addiction that, that, that we're, basing, we're basing our relationships on what we're feeling, on what, the body, on what the body is doing. Research also indicates that at this stage, hold on a sec here, research indicates that this stage generally lasts from one to three years, and when the relationship is consummated, there will be an increased release of testosterone and estrogen. These effects last a few weeks or a few months. Mm. Any light bulbs going off here? You know, I don't, I don't even know if I need to go here or not, you know, but let me tell you something. That's why, you know, and that's why it's importance of, it's importance of only consummating uh, with the person that you get married with. That's so important. And, um, and, and what happens here, I mean, individuals who have an affair or individuals who start living with somebody else, you notice that reason goes out the door. Have you noticed that? You know, the reason goes out the door. Why does reason go out the door? Because the limbic system, the, the amygdala, it's pumping all these hormones and, and reason gets, gets, you know, gets put to the side and people are just feeling all these things and they've consummated the marriage and they, or they've consummated the relationship before marriage and they feel great. And then it only lasts a few weeks or a few months. And then they have to reap the consequences of their decisions. What's interesting about this on the positive side is that there is a Bible verse, Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 5. Uh, You can look it up later if you want. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 5. It says that when someone was newly married in the Old Testament, when someone was newly married, it specifically is a command to the husband. It says that the husband was not to go out to war. The husband was not to go out anywhere, but the husband was to stay home for one entire year. And the commandment says that way he can make his wife happy. That's what the Bible verse, that's what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 24 verse 5. Why? Because God created us and he knew what was happening here in our body. He knows the importance of bonding and of coming together and and to, to have wholesome, a wholesome and healthy family instead of pursuing things in a destructive manner. So this is the biology of love. This is attraction. This is desire. This is what happens within us. But then something happens since, these, since attraction is only temporary. In order to facilitate long-term uh, relationships, there's this other aspect of love, and that's called attachment. That is the bonding process that promotes long-term relationships. Attachment is what promotes marriage. When we say, uh, let me see here, what is a marriage? Uh, what is a marriage? Um, the marriage vows say, um, till death, oh, till death do you part. That seems, sounds pretty permanent, doesn't it? Till death do you part, you're lifelong, mm, in sickness or in health, um, for rich or poor, for better or worse. Mercy, that's why it's for better or worse, you know? Um, but uh, anyways, we probably will talk about marriage maybe some other time. But attachment is the bonding process that promotes these long-term relationships of marriage, of children, and even mutual friendships. Again, this doesn't necessarily have to be romantic. It could be platonic. How many of you have had friends for, you know, all your life, right? Lifelong, lifelong friends that you've known since you were a little kid, right? And you still are friends with them. You know, that, that's important, that, that attachment, that commitment to them. Attachment 
has been linked to higher levels of oxytocin and vasopressin to a greater degree than short-term relationships. In other words, science tells us that long-term relationships, when we commit to a long-term relationship, when we decide to attach to someone, to bond with someone, it will increase our long-term satisfaction and it will raise our quality of life. Isn't that powerful? You know, and it's a real, and it's, it's based in our biology. And that's why I was saying cons- um, consummation, it helps with the bonding process. You know, God knew what he was, was, was doing when he brought us together and when he called us to, to commit to another for life, for marriage, because the, the effect, the real effect that science tells us is that we will have a higher quality of life, happiness, and satisfaction. This is when I, no, oh, I don't know if I should say this. I keep saying this. I don't know if I should say it or not, but I should When I see relationships that when someone starts living with someone, and they're no good for someone. And I'm a pastor, and I, and I see this, and, and I start visiting with the couple because I, you know, I, I believe that you know, we should come together, right? And then there's couples that I, that I visit with, and they're living together, and they're not married, and it's, it's a bad relationship. And he knows it's a bad relationship, and she knows it's a bad relationship. And so when we say, well, it's a bad relationship, you guys really don't want to continue to be together, then what's the next step? They never separate. They never separate. You know why? Because they've already bonded to each other. And it's not as easy as, as Hollywood would make us think it is. Oh, well, you just split up and, and you just leave. No, it, it's, there is a real attachment that is there. And even though, they're, they, even though they know that they're wrong for each other, they won't do it. They won't separate. Because there is a very real bonding that has taken place there. And that's why God is, is calling us. God is calling us to do it the right way. So important, and I don't want to necessarily be explicit, but it's so important, don't have sex outside of marriage. Don't have sex outside of marriage. You know, society tries to tell us it's not a big deal. It's a biological function. No, it is a big deal. You know, they, they, they try to, you know, especially evolutionary, when you think about this evolutionary theory, they try to make us think that we as humans, we're just like animals, you know, or we're just another, another mammal, and, you know, the animals, you know, have sex, and we can have sex as well, and what's the big deal? No, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. We were, are more, and we were created for more, and we're created for a better way. And even science is telling us that there's a better way, long-term commitment, a choice, an attachment. Scripture tells us that there's a better way. Our hearts are telling us that there's a better way. And here is where attachment is, and attachment and love becomes a choice. This is where love becomes a choice. This is where love becomes a virtue. This is where love becomes a principle. Love now becomes more than just something I feel. It's more than just an emotion. It is a decision. It is a commitment that involves sharing a home. I'm going to choose to share a home with someone. I'm going to choose to share responsibilities with that individual. I will choose to share parental duties with that individual. I will choose to, to, share, uh, to, to have mutual defense in the home. I want to create feelings of safety and security, which only come with a permanence in the relationship. Uh, security and permanence, security and safety only comes with an indissoluble union, which is marriage. When we choose to love. This is where love becomes a choice. Love becomes a principle. We embrace love and we choose to live in love. This is where love becomes a way of being 
a way of living. And this is what I believe, my friends, that Scripture is calling us ultimately to go. Love as a choice. Because our feelings come and go, don't they? Our feelings come and go. You know, sometimes I don't feel like getting out of bed. Anybody feel like that? Sometimes I don't feel like getting out of bed, right? You know, and then something weird happens. I get out of bed, and then I feel all right, you know? Or other times I feel like getting out of bed, and then I get out of bed, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I want to jump back in bed. You know what I mean? Feelings are up and down. But God is calling us when, when, when we're talking about love. He's calling us, yeah, there's, there's an aspect of love that is feelings. There's an aspect of love that is biological. But then there becomes an aspect of love that becomes a choice, a virtue, a principle. I choose to love, and I choose to live in love, and I choose to attach, and I choose to bond, and I choose to take up all the responsibilities that come with it. Um, I think I'm going to end my sermon right there. <laughs> all right? How many of you this morning want to choose to love? In your relationships, how many of you this morning want to choose to love, make choice, make, make love, make love the choice and say, Father God, just help us, help us as a church, help us as individuals, help us to truly be able to love, to love one another, despite what we feel. This podcast is brought to you by the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. Connect with us on www.jaxsda.org or on Facebook and YouTube. We look forward to sharing more inspiring messages with you.